Okay, if you'd open up your Bible to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Last week I was expecting angry women. I think, like, my uh, reputation precedes me. I've never been anti-woman, and I think everyone knows that. So if I was just teaching. I think this is what the Bible says. I mean, I, I, churches, I'd, I'd have been terrified to <laughs> teach that in. It stopped me halfway, dragged me out and tar and feather me. But we go by the Word of God here. No apologies. Um, this, this is more controversial ground, but less so to a degree. Maybe more so, maybe less so. We'll see how that goes. In First uh, Timothy chapter 3, we're going to see what it is to be uh, a bishop and what it is to be a deacon, and uh, both of these are going to be touched on in this chapter. We'll try to do the whole chapter. Let's pray. Father, again, no apologies for your word. We love it. We can't get enough of it. It's wonderful. It's just, it's, it's, isn't it, Lord, a light that illumines our path and the way we should go? And isn't it a living, and isn't it sharper than any two-edged sword? And isn't it eternal? Oh, we love your word, Lord. So we pray that as we look into it, that you would bless with illumination, that you would give us uh, what we need to know moving forward, and you'd be honored and glorified um, in the whole presentation of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a true saying, chapter 3, verse 1, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Bishop is a controversial word. It shouldn't be. It's a Bible word. I know there's one group, it's to wit, the Catholic Church has taken it and to a place where I don't think Scripture meant it. But having said that, and they're not the only ones, other, other groups have bishops as well. Uh, bishop, and this is, I'm not different than any other Calvary Chapel in this. Uh, most people feel that bishop, elder, uh, presbytery, uh, um, overseer, and pastor are all the same function. In different words, different titles for the same office. Uh, I would prefer not to be called Bishop Adam. Just I don't I don't have it on my business card or anything like that. But it is uh, uh, to oversee is what it means, and that's all there is. Now some. Church, let's talk about church government. There's some churches that are very democratic. 51% of the membership, they vote, and that carries the day. What 51% of the church wants, that's what happens. Some churches are ruled by a board of elders, presbytery. And so you have congregational, where the congregation rules. You have Presbyterian, where the presbytery rules. And then you have Episcopalian, where the bishop, the episkopos, which is the word here, rules from outside. Um, you say, well, which one works? Well, if you have a very godly bishop, that could be a very good system. If you have a very godly group of elders, that could be a very good system. If you have a very godly congregation, that could be a good system. Uh, which one is biblical? I'm afraid it's the Presbyterian one, the, the, the model that has a group of elders who, are, who, who lead and rule in the church. It seems to me to mo- be the most scriptural. Say, which one is Calvary Chapel? Mostly that. But we do have elements of, a, of an outside where a bishop, an overseer from outside, and I think that's a kind of a good and a handy thing. It just, pragmatically, it works better. Because I see churches you know, being led by a board going in the wrong direction. I mean, look at Christianity in 2019. We're tripping over ourselves to, to say gay is the way. We're all on board, you know, them, them poor. We don't want to ever discriminate, and we're open and affirming. And Wait a second. Um, the Bible? Do we do that around here anymore? Uh, and, and I think you need somebody, because if you have a a person uh, who's leading a board, and especially if he's got a, like a very strong personality, he can lead a board, he can lead a church in the wrong direction. But if you have someone outside who's saying, no, 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 unacceptable. What happens when you have sin in the church, like a, a, a pastor has a moral failing? 
You need somebody outside to say, not acceptable. And we've seen that in Calvary Chapel circles. We've seen it in other circles. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, I remember uh, early on when I got saved, I heard about a, a pastor who had an extramarital, oh, it was adultery. I, don't, I was going to call it an affair. I don't, semantics is funny, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to lessen it. It's called adultery. We have a whole commandment. Don't do that. And he went and he um, shared with his church what a beautiful experience it was, how it really enlightened him until, you know, he understood marriage better now that he had had this failing and stuff like that. Get the tar out. Get some feathers going. Something. And, okay, can, can somebody have a moral failing like that and be, still be a pastor? By the way, no! <laughs> capital N, capital O, exclamation, no. Uh, after many years, could he still be used by God? Perhaps if his repentance becomes more famous than his sin, maybe at some point. I don't know that. But I think that disqualifies you from that. And if you still want to you know, go on in that, I think you, you need a bishop. You need somebody outside. Uh, so uh, do we have elements of both of those? Yeah, we do. Do we have elements of congregational? Less so. Less so. Uh, but me, I'm very democratic in this. I, other people influence me all the time. Everyone has my ear. They come up and tell me stuff, and I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. And, and so it's kind of, there's ways in which the congregation leads. Uh, people say, we don't like this, we want this, we want, I'd like, rather have this. And I, I'm like, I'm open to that. It's your church as much as it's mine. Everything's blood-bought here. I don't, you know, uh, claim to have any kind of, uh, you know, this is my church and it's going to, no, it's Jesus Christ's church. And if he uses somebody to speak into my life, we'll, we'll praise him. But now let's look at what the scripture has to say. And you're thinking, well, wait, 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 wait. It's good, but I'm not really, I'm going to just zone out a little bit. I'm not really elder material. You already said that was a, a woman, uh, not a woman's function. First, it's God's ideal for his church. And then it becomes your ideal for your life, whether you're a man or a woman. No, you can't be an elder as a woman, but you're an elder, de facto elder in your house, aren't you? Mister, aren't you the high priest of your house? I mean, so, you know, I've read like, you know, I remember t uh, reading um, Proverbs 31, you know, about the, the godly wife. And God really challenging my heart. I was like, this is great, but it's, you know, if I were getting married, this is what I'd be scoping, uh, try to find. Uh, I, wanna, I want one of these, you know, God-fearing women and stuff, and I kind of like thought it was, you know, for everybody else. And God challenged me, aren't you my bride? And I was thinking, as I was reading down through it, yeah, I want to consider a field and buy it. Do I have to wait for my wife to do that? <laughs> you know, uh, the her children rise up and call her blessed. Don't I want my children to rise up and call me blessed? So I was thinking, you know, this scripture that is specifically just for women, just for men, no, qu no question about that. We've un understood that. But, I mean, think larger. Think outside the box. Does God want me to be a godly man? Yeah, obviously, obviously. So, so it's like, you know, this is the qualifications. This is what a, a godly woman looks like. Well, if you look, a godly man looks very much like that too. You know, she considers a house. You know, it's cold outside, but she's dressing them in, what is it, scarlet or purple? I don't remember which color, scarlet or something, right? Because that must be very warm. Hey, I want to dress my house. I don't want to consider the cold. I want to provide for my family also, you know? I don't know if that's exclusively the domain of women, so, you know, I read scripture like that. So, ladies, feel free to enter into this too because I think God's saying this is what I, I want, you know, to represent. And, and he's going to say things, and none of these things are like exclusively male in the sense like temperate. God wants temperate males. Women, you can be intemperate if you want, right? No, come on. Well, I don't think any of us are going to say that. So let's jump in. If a man desires the offer of a bishop, and he's got to be a man. Now, I just undermined everything I said. No, in the church, when you get together and there's a recognized leadership, I said last week, and, and he's building on this, is in the home and in the church, God wants male leadership. And you'll see all the way through Scripture, and there are some exceptions. I'm, you know, people will talk to me about Deborah, and they'll talk to me about prophetesses and stuff like that. I'm thinking, that's God being awesome. Yay, God. 
I'm, I, again, I'm not anti-woman. And having said this, I can read, and it says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Let's look at both of those. By the way, a husband of one wife precludes that it would be a male, because males marry wives. Nobody else does, scripturally. But let's talk about blameless. Uh-oh, we got a problem. You're saying, Adam, you're, disqu- you're, you're disqualified. I'm like, <laughs> amen, amen, that's right. You can't be... Blameless here means... It's hard because there's no one here who's blameless. Nobody's, nobody's without sin. But it means like... You know, people blame Christians all the time, and they say all kinds of things about us that are not true. And they have to be not true. If they're saying, like, you know, that pastor, that church, he's just, uh, he's a drunk, and he's a ne'er-do-well, and, you know, he's got his uh, hand in the offering plate all the time, and he's a, if, if the, those things are credible, then you're not blameless. How about your past? How about you lived in such and such a way that, it kind of like disqualifies you in perpetuity. I don't see that scripture at all. The guy who wrote this used to kill Christians for a living. Okay, your BC days are your BC days. You know, a lot of parents are like, I can't tell my kids not to smoke dope. When I was their age, I was smoking all kinds of dope. Wait, wait, what? Having made a mistake in your youth makes you a teacher. Don't go down this path. I did it, it was horrible. You don't have to act perfect to your children. They understand that. But don't ever feel like, I got nothing to say because of my past disqualifies me. It doesn't. Uh, everything that happened to me in the B.C. days, I like to call them, it was then. Oh, I was a scoundrel. I mean, I really was. And if that makes you very upset, all I'm saying is the grace of God is an awesome thing. I used to be a very selfish very wicked person. And then Jesus came in my life. Now I'm perfect? No, but I'm on, a, I'm on a trajectory that's going, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. If you don't like the after, you should have saw the before. I'm not telling you. It's, Susan's nodding. I, I know. She, she'll tell you. She knows where all the bodies are buried. It's horrible. I, hey, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is wonderful. I think, I, I'm not going to keep talking about me. You guys can make the obvious connect some dots and stuff like this. But you want your life, men, women, specifically elders, you want your life to be blameless. I don't know how else to say it. When people say, oh yeah, that uh, pastor in that church, he's this, he's this, and everyone else just laugh and say, you're ridiculous. No, he's not. He's a godly and a good guy, and he's wise, and he's, he's helpful, and he's, and he's very Christ-like, and he's a humble man, and he's you want your life to line up in such and such a way. When people sling mud, none of it sticks. That's the idea, am I thinking, of blameless. The husband of one wife. Now, let's talk about this for a second. One, he has to be married, right? Well, we have a problem of that. We have two problems, Jesus Christ and Paul, who's not married, okay? Can you minister outside of marriage? Yeah, I think, let me just say this humbly, it's a good thing to be married as a pastor, you, the pastor's wife becomes a, a function and a role. Does it have to be? No, not necessarily. But I think it's very, very, very helpful. Uh, I'm not afraid of hard work. I can roll up my sleeves and I can, I can work. And the only one I think who does more work around this church than me is Suze. She just, she just does. And, and it, I, ca- I can't imagine ministering without her. Is she's, I don't know, I'd say helpful. I'd say kind of more towards essential. But I don't think that's what it's talking about. So if you're going into the ministry and stuff like you're single, you get, get a wife. <laughs> he that finds wife finds a good thing. He obtains favor from the Lord. I think you're going to need one. All things being equal, I think it's a really handy person to have in your life. That two-strand cord that's not quickly, easily broken. Uh, the other part about it, uh, so you're divorced, forget it. You're all done, you're dead in the water. And of course, that has to be, that's the way it is, right? Because marriage is so important that, Adam, are you serious about that? No, not at all, I'm being sarcastic. You didn't catch that. I just told you, your BC days don't count for anything. 
if a guy in the ministry leaves his wife, I think, again, you, you, you're out. Strike one, two, three. We're not giving you a, that's it, sit down. You're, 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 not, you're not qualified anymore. I think it means a one-woman man. Now, if before, I'm, a, I'm still on my first wife, okay? We've been married 40 years. I just want to have that, my whole life look like just that, one, one, one and done, okay? This is how I think it's, God wants you to operate. Now, he didn't say that. I mean, like, it's not like you can't ever get remarried. You remember in the Old Testament, if uh, like a priest who was a servant of God, if he had a wife and she died, he could marry again. But it had to be uh, either a virgin or a widow of another priest. God put provision there. for. So he's not against like someone getting remarried. Now, listen, you made a mistake early on. You weren't, you're kind of a selfish jerk. You got married and you thought it, you had wrong ideas about it. She left you or he left you in good riddance because it just didn't work out for whatever reason. You're going to take that to the grave because that's how God is. He never forgives. He never forgets. I, I don't think that's it at all. But I will say this. I think it's on a case-by-case basis. I wasn't saved. I was a jerk. She left me. Then I got saved, and I loved the Lord. He brought a wonderful woman into my life, and then he called me into the ministry. Can he do that? Can he restore life? Of course he can. I mean, that's, that's what Christianity is all about. Listen, I get very, very upset when people you know, tell me about this sin that can't be overcome. You know Jesus? I mean, really? Because I, oh, I get crazy about that. Because you're telling me he's not enough. I'm telling you he's enough to wipe out your past and give you a new day. Uh, if any man be Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away. That's the God we serve. All things have become new. And so, like, if you have a history or something like that, what about if I was married two, three, four, five times? And then I don't, so again, it's going to be a case-by-case basis. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. But I don't think your past follows you into Christianity. Not really, it doesn't. What if I had a record, a criminal record or something like that? Well, then you have to be a Calvary Chapel pastor. <laughs> you can't, a, lot of, a lot of other churches won't have you, but do I know pastors who are convicted felons? Yes, I do. Good friends of mine. I, I just, it, I, I'm telling you about Jesus. He don't care if you're into drugs. or you. None of that stuff. He'll tell you. He'll save you, and he'll give you all. And There's no place you can't go where he can't redeem. He's awesome that way. Anyway, blameless. Um, the husband of one wife, a one-woman man. So uh, a porn pastor, no. Uh, adultery pastor, no. Lascivious pastor, no, no, no. A one-woman man. Um, vigilant is vigilant. He's always up and down, uh, lets this slide. Next time he's hyper again. No, he's... Vigilant. I don't know how else to say it. Who else got a better word there, a different word? Sober-minded. No, that's next. Temperate. Okay, temperate. uh, uh, We uh, we have temperance movements, which means sober, and then it says sober-minded. And so you're thinking, like, well, which is it? It, Because temperate here doesn't mean sober-minded. It means vigilant. It means, like, on duty. It means, like... um, and here, sober, sober-minded, is serious, it's grave, it's dignified, it's, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of different things there. It's not frivolous. Uh, it's not, like, I know a lot of people, like, they joke, 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 all the time, joke. Is that a problem? Not really. I, you know, people like that, they're funny, they're, they're good to have around at a party especially, but does that disqualify you for being pastor? I think as a pastor, you need a good sense of humor. Now, trust me on that. You need a really good sense of humor. But if you're always clowning around, always clowning around, always clowning around, then when you say something serious, everyone's like, yeah, Adam, he's always joking anyway. I don't, I don't mind you know, saying something that's funny. You know, it's funny to me because I always try to say something funny. Sometimes I look and nobody got it and then I say something and everyone's laughing I'm thinking what did I mess up it's just it's I'm not funny when I want to be I'm funny accidentally it's ridiculous anyway but I don't I don't try I don't want to be up here doing like stand-up comedy all the time I will uh crack wise and I will tell you joke if it if it kind of greases the skids and helps you learn the thing but I don't want to do stand-up comedy 
I can't, I can kind of be funny sometimes, but I don't want to. I want to be sober-minded. I want to be grave. I want to be serious. Of good behavior means good behavior. A good guy, not a scoundrel. Um, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Let's talk about given to hospitality. Hospitable. Not just in that culture, but you know, um, guy who's like welcoming, but uh, I'll say, I want to say this right. I, I want to be hospitable to strangers even at financial express, uh, even if it costs me financially or time-wise or anything. You, you want to be, and besides, hospitality is directed at strangers. Otherwise, it's like family. <laughs> you, you give your family, uh, you know, uh, three hots in a cot when your you know, neighbors are in, your, when you have, uh, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, they're in town. You always let them stay. That's not hospitable. That's, just, that's family. But to the stranger in their culture, you know, there was no Motel 6. When somebody came to town, they knew they were traveling. You'd open up your house to them. You'd extend hospitality. Well, it was to a stranger, even at financial loss. And I think that's what he's talking about here. It's like, yeah, reach out uh, to the uh, uh, sinner and saint alike. Hospitality. I don't know any other word for it. I mean, this is, again, you're saying like, well, the pastor should be that. This is God's ideal, remember. So don't pass on any of these. Don't say like, yeah, I can see myself. I do good here and I don't do so good here. I do good. No, God's saying, uh, look at this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I want your life to look like. And if you're honestly assessing yourself and you say, well, I don't really measure up here. Okay, well, don't, again, don't leave it there. I talked to, you know, somebody and, oh, I just got a hot temper. I just, oh, I just, you know, I got, the, I got that from my dad or something like that. Stop it. Stop it. People don't want to have, be around a guy who's like a grenade with a pin pull and we're all just walking on eggshells waiting for him to go off. Jesus redeems that. Don't just settle with, oh, this is the way it is. Okay, that was the way it was before you got saved. Now, let, let the Spirit of God redeem. Let him work in you. Let him become the person that he wants you to be. And stop being and making excuses for the way that we used to be apt to teach. We've made seminaries and Bible colleges on apt to teach. I'm not against them. You know, it's funny to me, when God starts with a pastor, he says, okay, I want this degree in place, at least, you know, a two-year Bible degree. I mean, at very least. Or, you know, some seminary, uh, I want a doctorate in, I want to, listen, Give me a life that I can work with, that I can redeem, that I can make what it should be. Give me apt to teach, and I'll take care of the rest. And you know, these are all, mm, the, these qualifications have to do with, I, I, so I start a new job, and they had, okay, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need, you know, 20 years in this, you need this degree, you need this, you need, and the qualifications were like kind of, they didn't say nice guy, temperate, even keeled. They didn't say anything like that. Kind. You ever see an application paper? One a guy, kind. Given to hospitality. These are different types of things. These are Christian characteristics. These are, these are godly men, godly women characteristics. And it's got nothing to do with uh, any kind of like, you know, can, must be able to type 50 words a minute or nothing like that. Nothing, nothing, I don't know how to say it right. But you understand what I'm getting at, right? God's more concerned about who his servant is than what he's, his capabilities. Give me apt to teach. I'll take that and I can make it into something. Not given a wine. So that's why I didn't think sober was, and by the way, it means not, given over to wine, not a lush, not a, I can't make, and I can't even make this verse say, no alcohol whatsoever. I don't think the Bible teaches that, as you well know. So, so you have a few every now and then, Adam? Never. No. I, no. I, I'm, a, I'm against NyQuil in my own life, okay? Just one. Well, I had a, I had a toddy because I had this 
snotty thing going. I was all congested and I just thought the, the whiskey would... No, 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 zero. My number is zero. Why? Uh, you, don't, you just said you don't think the Bible teaches it. I think in our movement, the Calvary Chapel movement, we use this verse to say pastors, elders, no, not for you. We're not giving the wine, okay? I think it's a problem if I'm in a restaurant here and I'm having a glass of wine, you and your family walk in, and I obviously have it's the wine-shaped glass. It's got the kind of the scarlet, crimson, whatever, you know, looking like stuff in it. I think it's a problem. I'm not going to do it. Then you have to go and explain to your kids why that's okay. No. When I was working with like uh, uh, Seven Oaks guys, they call that residential discipleship, CRD now, but it used to be Seven Oaks. So I was working with those guys. Forget about it. I'm going to tell them, hey, listen, your number's got to be zero. I mean, and the other thing too is I think a lot of us are all or nothing type people. Well, I'm the nothing type people because I just don't see that as a benefit in my life. And then I, I don't always think this way. So I got saved, right? And I'd, I'd have a, a glass of beer or a glass of wine every great once in a while after I got saved. Growing up on the Catholic side of things, that wasn't forbidden at all in my world, my worldview. But then after I got saved, you know, I, I felt I was stumbling both Christians and non-Christians. Christians, oh, I thought you were a Christian. And I'm like, yeah, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, I love Jesus, you know. Pass the wine. I'm good with that. And then non-Christians. I thought you were a Christian. After a while, even before I was an elder, I just said, forget it. This isn't that important to me. All right? So I stopped altogether. Just, and I feel very comfortable as an elder. We're going to ask, like, if, you know, we say, hey, we you know, want you to be an elder here. And we're going to ask you zero alcohol. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Not at all. Now, do I impose that on everybody here? No. No, but I'll just say we're all, we're all like, nope, no alcohol. Not given to wine. No striker. And isn't that good? You don't want your, like, pastor beating up people. <laughs> Disagree with me, I punch him in the nose, and we have this knockdown drag out, and everyone has to separate us. Not a striker. It's just not. And that's what it means, a brawler. I don't want to fight verbally. You know, somebody come up there that's all upset and all like, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> You're having a bad hair day, I think, but that's okay, whatever. And I walk out. I'm not, I'm not going to debate with you. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm certainly not going to throw a fist. Um, and by the way, that comes in the heel of uh, not giving a wine. I've never been involved in a fight my whole adult life that didn't involve copious amounts of alcohol. When I put the uh, 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 beer and the wine and, and, and mixed drinks and everything, because like, I, I was in the Marine Corps, I used to drink quite a bit. And I got into some fights every once, as you can imagine. I put the alcohol away. I put the fighting away. I, I think it's funny that they're right next to each other in Scripture like that. Because, you know, e even if, like, you know you can win a fight, you generally don't want to get in one. It hurts beating people up, too. I mean, it does. And so if I'm sober, I'm thinking, nah, do I really want to do this? No. So I'm like, yeah, okay, you know. And I'm back out, and everyone's happy and stuff. Not greedy or filthy lucre. I don't know what else it says. It's not greedy for filthy lucre. is not greedy for filthy lucre. I'm not, like, money-hungry. A uh, pastor doesn't want to be money-hungry. That could be a real problem. And by the way, it doesn't have anything to do with wealth. I mean, you can be, have plenty of wealth and still be greedy for filthy lucre. And you could have no money at all and still be greedy for filthy lucre. It's just an attitude like, hey, I trust in God. God will bless him what God has provided. I'm good with that. But you have a guy who's always, you know, you got to give and you got to, and he's whipping you and all that stuff. Because why? Because maybe he's tied in a certain percentage or something like that. If the church gives a lot, his rate goes up. So I don't know. And some people get in the ministry for money. You can do very well for yourself if that's your motivation. Don't ever want to be mine. I mean, you know, Jesus says you can't worship two masters. You'll hate one, you'll, you'll love the other, you'll despise one. And I want to just keep my mind, my heart open for Jesus Christ. And I think tithing, you know, you said, Adam, you didn't say tithing was a thing. Well, yeah, it is for me. Um, I don't think I, I can say, okay, tithing is throughout the New Testament forever in perpetuity. I know, I know people build that case.
me, I just think it's like my opportunity to keep my finances in check in the sense that this does not become my God because it has a propensity, money has a propensity to if you're not very careful. Again, you don't have to have a lot. It's just that a hard attitude. And giving to God keeps everything in, in balance, in my thinking. Not greedy or filthy lucre. Patient. You're going to need patience. You always say, don't pray for patience. You'll, you know, and, you know, the big joke is that God will give it to you and it'll, it'll require so much if you get pa- No, you want to pray for patience and all the virtues. Of course you do. Um, and you want to be a patient man. Why? You're going to need that. You're going to need that. I want everyone to be mature, fully functional, wonderful Christians tomorrow by sundown. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And then it doesn't matter even if they are because you get new Christians and they need, and you're going to need patience. You're going to need to, you know, you're going to need to know when it's like, uh, I, you know, I don't get on your case a whole lot. I can say things here, but I generally don't say them. I, when I talk to somebody directly and people think I err on, like, I'm too easy and too soft. I call it grace. I, I, I think about this. I pray about this. I don't want to be like, every time I see you doing something wrong, saying something wrong, I'm always in your face and you better repent. I'll tell you what. I could be that if I thought it was beneficial to you or to the church. I'd just rather be patient. I'd rather let God, I'd let the scripture have its effect. I, I wasn't an overnight, you know, I got saved one day and the next day I was perfect. Didn't after almost 40 years, I'm still not. So I, I can be very patient with me. <laughs> we'll extend that patience to everyone else. Not a brawler, arguer, not covetous. Again, that's like back to filthy lucre. I don't, listen, you, God's blessing you. Hallelujah. No jealousy there. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. I remember a guy who was coming here and then left because I have a son who wasn't a Christian. And he used this verse. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. He wasn't patient with me. But I'll tell you, uh, you know, as, as moms and dads and as grandparents and, and you know, grand, you know it, it, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. In my house, when I had kids in my house, I don't have kids in my house now. They were pretty respectful. People used to tell us all the time, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know, we have rules and we enforce them. And once the kids, you know, cross the rules and they reap the consequences, kids are smart. Mostly. You have one of those little midget demons in your house that just, defy you all the time I I didn't okay like Mikey still good guy I got I got a son who's an unbeliever he's 39 years old I mean it's like I don't know if it's a phase he's going through okay it's not it's not in my house I mean he doesn't like come in my house and start smoking dope and downloading porn and where it's oh I wish we could control him I mean would would kick him out if he didn't you know when he, when he stays, when he stays over and stuff. We still have rules in our house. There's things that nobody gets away with at our house. Um, why? You have to ha- know how to run a family because this is the family of God. And it works the same way. You have trouble stuff in your house, you have to be able to deal with it. You have trouble stuff in the house of God, and I mean the house of God people, not the house of God structure. You got to be able to deal with it. Listen, this is a family. It's dysfunctional. It's the best dysfunctional family going, if you ask me. Uh, we have all the, you know, quirky, weird family things that everyone else has. I love it. I, I, I wish everyone was perfect. I wish I was perfect. I wish my family was perfect. None of this stuff's true. But you've got to know how to deal with stuff, and I think that's what it's talking about. Because there's not perfect, and there's quirky, and then there's sin. And we just don't like un, unrepentant sin to go uh, in our house, in my, in my home. And, and here, it's, it, you know, we talk about that. We have to deal with that. One that rules his own house, having his children's subjection with all gravity, graveness, gravitas is the 
word there I, I, that I, you know, reach for. And he gives us the reason for a man not not to rule his own house. How shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. You can't save one week and now he's running the church next week. It doesn't work that way because less being lifted up with pride, he fall in the condemnation of the devil. Uh, During some circumstances, you can get, you know, you can become an old man or an old woman. And I don't mean old, if you say old man, guys don't mind that so much. Say old woman, women get all upset. You can become old pretty quick in the family of God because he'll let you grow as fast as you want to grow. And the times are such that he needs people to be on the front lines. It, you know, growth is kind of up to you. But having said that, you know, so we led somebody to the Lord last week and this week, you know, we're promoting him as the next best thing and we, you know, we're setting it up as, you know, speaking schedule. No, that's just wrong. You've got to give people a chance to learn, to grow, to 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 grow up and you can't just make them you know um put them in leadership too quick it doesn't work out it 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 you really have to let i've been here for a long time and you haven't made me a elder or a deacon or anything there's no real rush you know we don't want you to fall into the condemnation of the devil Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Again, this is that kind of blameless idea. Likewise, must the deacons, okay? Now we have the same list, and we don't have to spend as much time there. Much of the uh, uh, list is the same. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, okay, gravitas, again, serious-minded, frivolous, jokey, you can have a good sense of humor, but you, you can't be the class clown in church. Uh, not double-tongued. And that just means just what you think it would mean. You have somebody like they agree with you all the time, no matter what you say, no matter how outrageous it is. And then the next person comes and says the exact opposite, and they agree with them too. <laughs> you can't have that. No, 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 this is what Scripture says. And if you say that, I agree with you. Oh, no, you say you got some weird way out there idea. Listen, Mr. Deacon, man, you can't just agree with everybody. You just, it's not, it's not, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Also, uh, they're not given to much wine. Now, look at verse 3, not given to wine. Here, not given to much wine. So a lot of churches, and I'm afraid this is one of those churches. I shouldn't say I'm afraid. We don't make deacons swear off alcohol forever like we make elders because it's not given to much wine. I've listened to uh, Chuck Smith teach on this. He says, oh, you want to have an occasional beer, occasional glass? Well, be a deacon, then don't be an elder. That's what Chuck Smith said about it. It kind of has worked its way right through the whole. I just assume, I think the number that is best for everybody is zero, frankly. But I will, like, read somebody, like, oh, you want to be a deacon? I say, okay, this, does this describe you? And we, we'll talk about this verse. You, you know, drinky the drunk guy? No, 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 no. We don't need you in any kind of leadership whatsoever. That's how it works. Um, my good friend Will Cass and his church, he says, we don't want the deacons drinking or the elders drinking at all. I kind of lean that way, so I don't want to make, okay, if the, I don't want to be like more rules than the Bible has, you know what I mean? But I kind of, that's my heart, that's what I'd rather see. Ever, I don't care if you ever hold an office in any church ever in your life. I still think the number for alcohol should be zero, but that's my my. It, 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 nothing good's going to come of it, you drinking, okay? Nothing good's going to People don't get tanked up, come, break into your house and clean out your drain. Ken Graves is always fond of saying that. Nothing good comes from uh, excess with alcohol. And I think the number should be zero. You say, well, I, frankly, I have an occasional glass of wine. Now, you can't be a deacon here. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't be an elder. That's the rule that we've decided on. So all the deacons, you can have a few, couple every once in a while. I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm just saying we wouldn't hold it against somebody. Not given to much wine. And again, not greedy of filthy lucre. It means the same thing. Holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. You've got to be Christian, and you've got to hold on to that with a pure conscience. And we talk about conscience a lot here. You know, I always say, don't be breaking that. If your conscience tells you don't do it, don't do it. Don't break your conscience. You'll be needing that. You have to have a pure conscience to serve the Lord well. Why? You know, the, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I, when I have, a, like, something in my life that isn't quite right and I haven't confessed it, I'm trying to think of a time when it happens. Because like, I'm so easy to confess stuff. 
because I just, I like the feeling of not having anything between me and God. But if I, I'm, I'm, this has happened in my life before, and then it's always like you're kind of, everything's furtive, you're looking around, you're always wondering, you're always thinking like you'd, you're about to get bagged doing something. It's just not a right way to live. Pure conscience is a wonderful thing, by the way. And let there uh, also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. We, we, we look, we, there's no rush. Uh, again, that blamelessness. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, soberous, faithful, all things. So you have to have a godly wife to be a deacon? I don't think it's saying that at all, okay? I want to show you this. This is where it's going to get a little controversial. I think it's talking about women deacons there. I use this to teach women deacons, and somebody showed me the same verse that trying to teach against it. <laughs> By the way, uh, I don't want to, you know, I, I've studied this a lot, and like, uh, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I'm not the only one who feels this way in Calvary Chapel circles, okay? Uh, like, uh, I've, I've had a lot of, done a lot of study on this. Even so, must there be grave, a B is all in italics, because it's not there. Is added for clarity, and I don't think there's anything clear about how it's been added. Even so, wives, grave, not. I don't think it's talking about uh, the, the. I mean, think about it. You can't serve here unless your wives are a certain. What, what Bible verse is like about that, you know? You can't do because your wife's not a certain caliber of Christian. Now, having said that, I'm, the, the ones who are deacons here, I get nothing against your wife. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's just like we don't really look at somebody's wife before we determine if they're capable of... Uh, no, I think it's talking about women deacons there. And this is controversial. Not everyone says that, but you'll find whole Bible versions that say that. Even so, wives, graves, not slanderers, uh, gossip, but maliciously so. It's the same word for, uh, that is translated devils elsewhere. Sober, again, faithful in all things. Uh, and then it goes on to say, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And you say, well, that must make them male deacons. And of course, a lot of people teach that. But if it's just saying back to verse 11, if it's talking about women deacons there, then make it, you know, a one man woman and uh, if you think it says it like I think it says it. But let the deacons be the husband of one wife. Again, it's just calling for one, a one-woman man. Faithful. Again, not playing around or anything else. Ruling their children in the houses, well, both men and women there, if you ask me. Uh, for, they, for they have used the office of... A de- and by, by the way, I think... I don't know if I have enough nerve to do it, because like I say, last time I taught this and I... I got a lot of pushback. And like I say, some people use this verse to teach opposite. I was, were you sleeping Sunday? That verse doesn't say that. It does say in uh, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, and I think the case is one right here. It calls Phoebe a deaconess. And the word there is deaconess. And you can't change it even if you want to. Even if you don't think women have any kind of role in the church. Because I, I don't think deacons a leadership role. I don't think it's a decision-making elder role. I think it's a servant. Do we have women who serve? Godly women who serve. Yes, we do. Do we have... I always think of Susan as a de facto deacon. We never gave her the title. She was back in a church. It was a Baptist church. And I wanted to be deacon so bad I could taste it. And they asked her, and I was a little jealous. But, but I said, you go for it and stuff. And we weren't even sure at that time we even believed in it. But... The pastor's trying to set it up so that leadership would be a certain way because he was on very shaky ground and long story there. But So Suze was a deaconess. I think she never really gave up the title. She's always been the kind of person who's just taking care of the physical. I tell you, she works harder than I do, and she really does. And I think there's other women here that we could make deaconesses, and they do a lovely job of it. Women elder? Not, not, I don't believe that. Women, and again, I say... Mrs., aren't you the elder in your house? Susan, I think, is a de facto elder. Um, She sits on the board, by the way. You say, oh, you have women elders? No. She just, she knows about Robert's Rules of Order. 
because she was in the legislature. And she can read her own writing, so she's our scribe and she keeps us on track. And we have uh, her and Brenda, both, uh, Brenda's a treasure, and they're both godly women, and they have, they don't vote. They're not on the board that way, but they can say and they can share. And I, by the way, anyone can come to our board meetings, and you, have a, you can have a voice. Can you vote? No. No. And if you want to know when that is, I can always tell you. We don't generally have a lot of outside, unless we've invited somebody because they want, like, they're going on a mission trip and they want to share with the board or something like that. We have people in that way. Um, I'm, board meetings aren't exciting. I get bored. <laughs> That's why I call them board meetings. Um, we don't bring out the, you know, roll up our sleeves, okay, let's go for this. No, we're pretty much in agreement. We're very godly. We have the same ideas, the same objectives. I, anyway, just I'm just out there. I'm just telling you, okay, because I'm not sneaking up on anyone. They have used the office of a deacon well, have purchased themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which, uh, faith which is in Christ Jesus. Again, the righteous are as bold as a lion. These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. I'm glad you did write them. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say, I'll probably see him next month. I'm glad you write them. These are good things to know. This is how the church is supposed to operate. This is what God had in mind. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now again, he doesn't mean structure. He doesn't mean building. When he's talking about the house of God, he's talking about the family of God. Christians, ecclesia, called out ones. You can't call out a building. I know, I say church and you think of walls. You think of steeples, stained glass, unless you're you know, been around us long enough and I've disenfranchised you of that notion. But we still use it. I understand it. We, you know, we talk about the church down the street and stuff, and we're talking about a building. I know, I know. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this is how you should behave in the house of God, among the family of God. The people of God have to be in such and such a way. The, 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 the house of God, which is the church of the living God. I told you before, God doesn't live here he lives in you. When you leave, <laughs> this place is bereft of godly. <laughs> he, he's not. Hey, we're talking about uh, tonight where God inhabits the tabernacle. And the glory cloud, com- glory cloud comes down and lives right there at the tabernacle after Moses and the children of Israel finish building it. This isn't that. You know, this was an antique mall. And after we're done it with it and we move on to something else, so it'll, it'll, it'll be something else. It's... Actually, I'd like to kind of own this forever, but we'll see how, what God has to say about it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh? What? <laughs> yes, Jesus. And by the way, how do you get around this verse on the deity of Jesus Christ? How do you get around it? You mean Jehovah God became a man? Yeah, he did. We call him Jesus. Uh, uh, do you have to believe that? Oh, you absolutely, positively have to believe God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. What does that mean? The miracles mean something. They were proving that Jesus is who he says he was. Listen, you say I'm going to get killed to death and three days later I'm going to stand up on my feet and walk out of the tomb. You got that? That's pretty good. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of a, like a, one of those proof things, if you ask me, right? You say to a blind guy who's never see, hey, see. You, you got that? That's good. That's, that, that. He, was, he was manifested for us, justified by the Spirit, seen of angels. And by the way, you look at the, uh, the attendance of angels in the ministry and life of Jesus Christ. At his birth, all through, he's in the wilderness. Angels are there. The angels are there at the cross with him. He can call legions of them if he wants. Um, angels are around uh, his earthly life the whole time. He was preached unto the Gentiles, and that's the function of Paul. That's what he's all about, and that's what he's doing all the time. He's preaching to the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world and received up in the glory. Is that the full gospel there? I don't think it is. Some people think that's written in kind of a lyric, and it's a popular hymn of the day. I don't know that. Uh, I wouldn't discount it, 
But you know, all of our hymns don't have all the whole truth of the whole everything in them. They're just an idea. And we just, and we just focus on that one idea and we worship God with it. I think this is kind of the same thing. But without controversy, is this a song? I think it might be. I don't know. Without controversy, God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. Praise God. At that time he was, and he still is. Aren't you happy? Hasn't he changed your whole everything? He's changed your eternity. And in the interim, hasn't he been effective in your life, rooting out that which is not helpful? Sin is never advancing your cause. And he's giving, bringing blessing and fullness and good things. He's a good God. He was believed on in the world, and then he was received up into glory. Let's have the musicians come and they'll send us out of here in song. Another opportunity to worship this awesome, incredible God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in the Word. I know it was, it was quick and a lot of things coming at us. Um, but Lord, you know, as we go through this and we look at this, Lord, we want to be elder material, men and women. We want to be the kind of people that you endorse, that you want. We don't, none of us, we all want to be blameless. We all want to be one, one woman, man, one, one, one man, woman. We all want that, Lord. We want to be, you know, not given to wine and, and things of this nature. So, Lord, bless to that end. Help us to be the men, the women you've called us to be. Now, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. So our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross.